Welcome to A Beggar Who Found Bread. I'm Brad Alexander, your host and resident beggar who found bread. I don't want to betray my calling to let others know where I found it. The bread of life, Messiah Yeshua. This episode, Judas Kiss. A triple shout out on the title for this one. First of all, props to Petra for the song Judas Kiss off of their More Power To Ya album. And that was covered by, shout out, One Bad Pig, which featured... Petra guitarist Bob Hartman. And an honorable mention, shout to Metallica for their song, The Judas Kiss, from the Death Magnetic album. And their song appears to be referring to the allure and betrayal of addiction. You can check out those songs when you get time. As for us, it's not about the music. It's about the message. So let's break bread together and dig in. Judas Kiss. Judas Iscariot is a complex and difficult individual to fully understand. So I want to take a look at him to perhaps gain knowledge of him and others who were probably like-minded to him in the time of Yeshua's earthly life. Proverbs 27.6 says that the wounds of a friend are faithful, but the kiss of an enemy is deceitful. This proverb is certainly revealed in Judas's kiss of Yeshua, which subsequently leads to Messiah's arrest, torture, and execution. I'd like you also to please keep this proverb in mind as we go through this episode, as there may be some things that I say that offend, challenge, or convict. And I pray any wounds inflicted by me would be the wounds of a friend. I sincerely want them to be faithful. I don't seek to offend for the sake of simply offending. But if my offense leads you to consider deeper fellowship with Adonai Elohim, the Lord our God, then those wounds are faithful. And that is what I seek. I seek to direct people towards the word of God, which is why I encourage you, please study to show yourselves approved of God. His word endures forever. My opinion let it shatter like glass. Judas was one of the 12 original disciples Yeshua called. They're listed in Mark chapter 3, Matthew chapter 10, and in the 6th chapter of Luke. I do think it's noteworthy that Judas Iscariot is named last in each of the synoptic gospels. I don't think that this was a coincidence or an afterthought. I believe it reveals the order or the closeness of the disciples to Yeshua. From what we read in Scripture, there appear to be no references to Judas ever calling Yeshua Master or Lord, only that he called him Rabbi, Teacher. So the list of the disciples in these Gospels each begin with Peter and end with Judas Iscariot. And then the order in between does vary a little bit. Please note that there were two disciples with the name Judas. Judas Iscariot and Judas the son of Jacob. Judas was a popular name, the Greek variation of the Hebrew name Judah or Yehuda. Another version of the name is Jude. Some think Judas Iscariot was from the city or town of Creote, hence his name, Judas Iscariot. And there are some Bible translations that even say his name, Judah from Creote. And they base, this is based on the assumption that he is from 
that region, Creote. This would make him, if he is, in fact, or was, in fact, from Creote, it would make him the only disciple not from Galilee. So I think there's something else to consider regarding his name, Judas Iscariot, and that is his potential involvement with the Sicarii. Sicarii was a movement in the first century. The word Sicarii comes from the Latin meaning curved dagger. This group was bent on getting Israel out from under the oppressive thumb of the Roman government, and they would assassinate people, leaders most often, who they determined to be Roman loyalists or just simply not zealous Israeli patriots. So Iscariot may be a reference to Judas's ties to this group, as he uh, and, and which would make him, as the other eleven, from Galilee. We know Judas was greedy and that he was stealing from the treasury of Yeshua's disciples. In John 12, we read where Mary takes this really expensive oil. She pours it on Yeshua's feet and then wipes his feet with her hair. Judas responds to this in verse 5. This is John 12, verse 5. Why wasn't this oil sold for 300 denarii and the money given to the poor? Now, he said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. Since he had the money box, he used to steal from what was in it. So we see clearly Judas was a thief and he was greedy. But I don't believe that was his only motivation for betraying Yeshua. Or perhaps maybe it wasn't his motivation at all, being a thief and being greedy. Because I think that being the case, he would have wanted more than 30 pieces of silver to turn Yeshua over to the Sanhedrin. Because if he remained the treasurer, he would have easily stolen that and significantly more over time. In John chapter 13, Yeshua reveals who it is who will betray him. We start in verse 18. I'm not speaking to all of you. I know whom I have chosen, but so the scripture may be fulfilled. He who eats my bread has lifted up his heel against me. And then down to verse 21. After he had said these things, Yeshua was agitated in spirit and testified, Amen, amen, I tell you, one of you will betray me. Some of the disciples from there debate and they ask Yeshua, Well, who is it? Who, who will betray you? And he responds in verse 26. Yeshua answers, it is the one I will give this bit of matzah to after I dip it. After dipping the matzah, he takes it and gives it to Judas Iscariot. Or, as the version I have, the Tree of Life version says, Judah from Creote, the son of Simon. And with that bit, Satan entered into him. Then Yeshua tells him, what you're about to do, do quickly. Judas is revealed to be the betrayer. Now, in this text, back to back in verse 18, Messiah refers to Psalm 41 and verse 10, which says, Even my own close friend, whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted up his heel against me. Yeshua knew it was going to be one of his disciples, someone close to him who would betray him. In John chapter 6, verse 70, we read, Yeshua answered them, Didn't I choose you, the twelve? 
yet one of you is the adversary. And that word, Hebrew, translation is ha-satan. And then down in, uh, in verse 71, it says that he was, of course, referring to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. So, what I propose and what I submit to you for your consideration is that Judas's motivation was not greed to get his hands on the 30 pieces of silver because we know at the end, he ends up throwing that money back to them and he ends up killing himself. He followed Yeshua, I believe, in hopes that Yeshua was as Messiah and King of the Jews, going to remove the oppressive Roman government from ruling over Israel. When Judas realized Yeshua was not the man he had hoped, betraying him was easy. The Sakari were only interested in political, military, governmental leaders who would overthrow the Roman Empire's domination of Israel. History tells us that there were many people who assumed, hoped, and believed that the arrival of Messiah would be governmental, that it would be political, that Israel would stand on its own again, not oppressed, not ruled or controlled by any other government. Most modern followers of Yeshua even scoff at the idea of him being this military or political figure. He came to save people not from governing governing officials, but to save us from our sin, from our separation from Adonai. He came to be the atoning sacrifice to reconcile us to the Lord our God, not for an earthly kingdom, but for the heavenly kingdom. We all know and openly declare this. It's about God's kingdom. He was always about the kingdom of God. Which brings me to my question, why, if we see so clearly Yeshua did not come for political reasons, and we can plainly see the errors of those who assumed that's what Messiah would do, why then are we now trying to make him a political leader again? You don't have to look far to see people trying to draw parallels to your politics and your faith. To the point where I have been told, I have been told directly and indirectly by people whom I respect greatly and hold in high regard, that if I do not vote, first of all, I must vote if I am, if I am a follower of Yeshua. And more to the point, I really need to vote a certain way. If I don't, I am being complicit in evil. That it is a sin for me to vote one way. And it is a sin of omission Omission if I abstain from voting. And one highly respected Bible teacher said, real Christians will vote for one specific presidential candidate. That was his words. I'm leaving names out for, for a reason here. And then another, again, highly respected pastor and, and teacher of God's word, he said, no Christian should ever vote for the same candidate that the other teacher said only real Christians will vote for. Look, I'm never going to tell anyone to vote or not to vote. I'll tell you, and nor will I ever tell you how to vote. If you, if you choose to, I'm not going to tell you to whom, for whom you should vote. Yeshua's kingdom 
is not of this earth. He is the same yesterday and today and forever. He was not a political leader then, nor is he now. Too many who call themselves followers of Messiah Yeshua, Christians, make their politics tantamount to their faith. And again, if you want to vote and believe it's important to do so, please go right ahead and vote your conscience. But to insist others must vote or be politically involved to assert their faith in Adonai Elohim through Yeshua, that is wrong. And that is self-serving because most often when people call Christians to vote, it's because they believe they will vote a certain way. If they're real Christians, they're going to vote the way I vote. That makes sense. This is why we must vote. This is... This is... Uh, such a political connection to our faith. And, and this connection to faith in Yeshua with politics directly correlates with the focus of the Sakarai, whom I believe Judas was involved with, and it is aligned with those who wanted Messiah Yeshua to be a governmental leader, all of whom turned their backs on him when it turned out that's not why he came. As I said, I'm not telling anyone to vote or not to vote. But El Shaddai, the all-sufficient one, he is not constrained by any earthly kingdom or government. He has always desired to be the king of his people, period. He has always desired that, that his people, the natural-born Jew and the grafted-in Gentile, that, that he would be our king. And if he is our king, then our citizenship, as the Apostle Paul said, is in heaven, our patriotism is to his kingdom. And as citizens of heaven, we are here as ambassadors of Yeshua HaMashiach doing his bidding on foreign soil. We don't need to get entangled with civilian matters of earth, but to follow the orders of our commander in chief, the great high priest Yeshua, Jesus the Christ. Please, let us make our calling and election sure, no pun intended. Let us study to show ourselves approved of God. Let us be about our Father's business, which is building His kingdom. Can He be Lord of people who live in communism? Yes, in fact, He is. Can He be Lord of those living in a socialist state? Yes, He is. Any other political system we can conjure up, he is above it all. He doesn't want our allegiance to any person, government, or nation. He wants our allegiance to be solely to him. In whatever political system we find ourselves, he is Lord of all and he is Lord over all. And we fear losing our rights, comforts, and freedoms here on earth and fail to recognize there are millions following Yeshua who have no concept of these rights, comforts, and freedoms. And dare I say, their faith is quite singularly focused and not distracted by the cares of this world. Beware Judas' kiss. It is the deceitful kiss of an enemy, Hasatan the adversary. The words of Yeshua cause wounds, but those wounds are faithful 
as he is the friend that sticks closer than a brother. He has called us to die to ourselves in following him, to take up our cross. He has called us not to turn back once we put our hands to the plow, but to follow him and him alone. And that the cares of this world will choke out the word of God. May we be singularly focused on following him and building his kingdom here. I appreciate your time. And again, I am, I am just a beggar and I found bread. The bread of life, Messiah Yeshua. He is the bread that I found. And I want others to know where I found him and him alone. Only he truly satisfies hungry souls. Again, let's be about our Father's business, which is building his kingdom here on earth, lifting up the name of Yeshua, not as a political party, not as a political leader, lifting up the name of Yeshua as Lord and as Savior, lifting his name up, And he will draw all men to him as we do that. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time. Let's go out. My brothers and sisters, let's go out and let's let them know, let this world know where we found the bread of life. Let's go out and give them heaven.